Namaste, Yoga Podcast listeners. I am so excited to officially announce my new YouTube channel, Love Breezy Bree, where we will discuss topics that I consider to be yoga off of the mat. So check out today's show notes for a link to the new YouTube channel. I look forward to seeing you over there and continue to have weekly podcast episodes here on Yoga Podcast. Namaste. Hello, namaste. Welcome to another episode of Yoga Podcast. Today we are going to talk about conscious meditation. And this is a really fun topic, especially for those of you who say, I don't know how to meditate or I can't meditate or how do I meditate? Now, I know that there are a ton of guided meditations out there now, which I think is so amazing. I think ether is one of the most awesome elements because Years ago, there would have never been an opportunity to learn so much by just listening to a podcast or watching a video at your disposal right in the computer that you carry around even to the bathroom. (laughs) So let's talk about this idea of conscious meditation. And also, this is in conjunction with some of the episodes I've had recently on Yoga Podcast where we discussed activating the mind's eye as well as mindful practices and so this is in tune in line with that but it's a little bit different because this is all about choosing your thoughts yes this is different from visualization this is different from holding something and acknowledging it and focusing on that but ultimately they all create the same response, which is mindfulness, which is being present, which is meditative. It is all the same for your brain, for your energy center. And this is important because if you've ever suffered from trauma, which most of us have, or all of us have, thanks to this worldwide pandemic, rather, you think you haven't been at all, you know, bothered by it or it hasn't shown up in your life it has you know even if it's just vicariously through another it has been a traumatic experience for everybody on some level so you know one of the things that I always talk about when I am discussing traumas to remember that it is all about levels and it is about your perception and your reactivity to it and how it shows up in your life. And it could be something, you know, years from now that triggers these current events in your own life. Um, so it's it's something that we will not know the true effects of tomorrow, so to speak. So with that all said, the reason why I mentioned that is because when we have these practices that are meditative, it literally rewires the biology. It changes the wavelengths of the brain. It heals the brain. It makes that mind-body-spirit connection back to self. It is introspective. It is healthy. And it is important that we all learn which way we prefer to be in a practice that is meditative. 
Now, as I mentioned, there are many different types of practices. I like to really utilize pranayama practices to get into a meditative state. So that's a choice of mine that I typically make over even mindfulness practices, visualization practices, or even conscious meditation as we're going to discuss today. But with that said, it is important that we have tools in our toolbox so that we can activate whichever one is going to be needed at a particular time in our lives. You know, going through painful experiences, breakups, illness, you know, for some, it could even be death of loved ones. We're going to want to be able to lean in on something that can be helpful that is connected back to self. There are many external factors, whether you're religious or you have family or even work or whatever it is, it's important to always have something in your sacred space that you can really just lean into. And I think conscious meditation is one that's really easy for most people to lean into. You know, visualization is not something everybody can do. Not everybody can think of themselves in a different scenario or be able to conjure up that type of creativity in the brain. The brain just may not work that way. As well as mindfulness practices like holding an orange, holding an apple, going through the five senses, people might really struggle through that. But one of the things I have found in working with my students and clients is that conscious meditation is something that seems to be accessible to many, to most. And so what is it? Well, it is consciously deciding to tell your brain that you're in a meditative state. So we begin by first just acknowledging that we are meditating. Instead of telling yourself you're not meditating or you're not sure or you don't know how or, you know, you're worried that you're going to think about other things, you just tell yourself, oh, we're meditating right now. And you activate that part of your brain that is going to then believe what you're saying. And how do we know that this works? Well, because when we have a negative narrative or any type of narrative for that matter, even if positive, the brain has no idea what's true or false, right? It just starts to show up to what the thought processes are, which is why negative self-talk is so harmful. It is the most harmful way to harm self. It is self-harm. Negative thoughts is straight self-harm. And we all do it, and we have all have done it, and I'm sure many of us are trying to figure out how not to do it. Well, this is a way of not only combating that part of self, but also being very proactive. So what I like to do is put myself in a position where I'm ready to meditate. For me, it's the bubble bath or the yoga mat or you know, if I have a special pillow that I sit on, it's my way of activating the mind with my eyes, right? To be able to say, hey, she's rolling out her yoga mat. She's about to practice something sacred or she's going to take a bubble bath. And so she's going to be in a sacred space. So whatever sacred space you've created, which we've talked about on yoga podcast is really important to identify. You know, you want to know when I light a candle, I'm my brain is going to activate something in self that says she's creating a mood, a moment, a sacred space. You know, we also do this type of symbolism to the mind 
every day in lots of different ways. When we walk into a conference room or to a classroom or we walk into a yoga shala or a yoga studio or, you know, we step our feet into a pool or a hot tub or, you know, we put on our hiking boots or we get into our car, whatever it is, the brain instinctively goes, oh, okay, I'm going to connect some dots that haven't been laid out for me yet. I already know what we're essentially about to do or what this experience might feel like or look like. It's the same thing that your dog somehow instinctively thinks the moment that you roll up to the veterinarian's office, right? (laughs) It's like they know. So that's what happens for us as well, except we think we're above it. We think that we don't have this animalistic side of ourselves that auto activates and we do and we need to be really respectful of it and acknowledge that it exists so that we don't ignore it and that we can actually be proactive and do something about it especially when we think about that self-harm that negative thinking those ways that we tend to allow ourselves to judge ourselves which is very toxic and then of course in turn doing that to others so let's talk about this conscious meditation is where you create your sacred space as i mentioned and then the next thing you do is you create a word or in some cases a mantra now mantras are a little bit more advanced if we're thinking about it from a perspective of someone who's never done this and just to remind you a mantra is something that is vibrating the mind with words right so if your mantra is i am loved then you say that and you repeat it to the point where it vibrates it creates an energy-filled connection. It creates a mind-body-spirit connection and activation. And it's very powerful. We do mantras all of the time, and especially in religion, right? Sometimes we utilize, you know, mala beads, or in the case of Catholicism, maybe it's a rosary, or, you know, something of those, in those lines, where we are also creating this connection with, physical, this connection with mental, this connection with emotional, and we are activating something very powerful within self when we do that, no matter in what way we do that. That's why smoking is so challenging to quit. It's not just the nicotine, which is very addictive, but it's it's the holding the cigarette in the hands. It's the lighting it. It's the doing it after sex or food or whatever people you know do it's it's the habit it's habitual anything we do that creates a habit including self-talk it is just that it's a habit it's something that has to be broken or something that has to be created now we want to create healthy habits just as much as we want to break unhealthy ones and so a healthy habit is something that we discipline ourselves in such as a routine again Your eyes see something and it sends a message to the brain, usually instantly, right? If you see someone pressing the brakes in their car before you, you press your brakes, right? If you um, see a plate of food coming toward you, you send a message to your brain that you're hungry and you're ready to eat. These are sort of the things that 
the mind and the body in its own infinite wisdom is able to do without you being intentionally activating of. Same thing with triggers for trauma survivors. You know, if you served in Iraq and on 4th of July, your brain knows it's 4th of July, so you're expecting fireworks to pop off and sound very similar to gunfire when you served in a war. Even though you know that, it doesn't mean that the sound of those fireworks are still not going to activate that feeling of the war, right? And so it's what we call triggering. So all of these things are important to understand in each individual context to be able to really appreciate why conscious meditation is so powerful and accessible to many. Now, when I think of social, you know, experiences that basically rewire my brain without me being intentionally aware of it. I think about marketing. I think about music. I think about um, making that connection to a past experience of my own. So I see someone do something and it reminds me of something else, for instance. That's the same thing that is happening with the brain whenever we are intentionally or consciously meditating. Okay. So let's get back to conscious meditation. So you're in your sacred space. (laughs) And I'm laughing because I have so much to say and I'm trying to get it all out, but I'm not sure how concise it's coming. So bear with me as this stuff is so exciting for me, especially as a teacher and a practitioner. So as you are in your sacred space, I want you to imagine you've rolled out that yoga mat You've decided to take easy pose or half or full lotus. You've rooted and grounded your body into the earth. And you've relaxed your shoulders. You've lifted your heart. You've aligned your spine. And you've connected your breath. So you have set the in motion, the mood, and the expectation that you're now in a mindful practice. Whether you're going to do pranayama or meditation or asana, you have done at least one of those things before in this setting. And so the anticipation is that you're going to do something again. Well, now you're going to decide to consciously meditate. So you're not necessarily being guided. You're not moving the body. You're not even necessarily utilizing the counts of pranayama to get into that meditative state, but rather you are picking a mantra, or simply a word. And I like just simply picking a word even over a mantra because a mantra still requires you to think. It requires you to judge, you know, did I pick the best mantra? Do I really want to say you are loved today? You know, how do I really feel about that? Do I believe it? You know, it becomes a dialogue that you do not need to have. But rather, what if you just said the word love? And That word just makes you feel good or any word that makes you feel good. But for me, love makes me feel good because as you know, I believe that love is the highest vibration. I believe we should do all things with love. Do your love. You know, love is the opposite of fear. Love is what connects everybody's belief systems, every religion, every spiritual practice. It all tends to come back to love being the most important thing. Love of thyself, love of others, love is powerful. And it has so many meanings and it has 
And it requires faith and hope, which is another reason why I love the word love. And it's a common mantra that I just use by itself. So love. So as I begin to meditate in my sacred space, I just think of the word love. And maybe I say it out loud. Maybe I say it in the mind. Maybe I can see the word spelled out. Maybe I see hearts. Maybe I see something that represents love. My dogs, a child, an experience, a person, an event. Maybe it's a wish, a future self. It's a feeling of high vibrations. It's a hug. It's a kiss, whatever it may be. Maybe sometimes it's disappointment, it's pain, it's hurt. Whatever it shows up as, it doesn't always have to be something in particular. It just has to be true to your mind, right? And whatever comes, you just keep activating what you believe it truly represents, right? So if love shows up as pain, then you redirect it back to its highest vibration, and you keep doing this until you want to stop. And one of my favorite things to do other than visualization before I go to bed is to practice conscious meditation. I might just lie in my bed, you know, shavasana, for instance, or fetal pose. And I think of a word, which like love, but maybe it's just breath. And I just say in my mind, breath. And I envision whatever comes to mind, right? Because you have to allow the mind to be natural. And then I redirect it back to the word and I see it spelled out. And I see the B and I see the R and I see the E and the A and the T and the H and the E. And I feel the feeling of breath and I feel wind or air surround me and I feel all the cells in my body getting a delicious oxygen hug because I think about deep pratyama. And all of this stuff matters, you know, because essentially you're creating a present mindful moment. It's meditative and it's rewiring the brain. Now, obviously, you want to be mindful of the word you choose. You know, would you choose a word if it did represent pain or it could be triggering? I would say no, but that doesn't mean that a word you think is safe won't bring up those feelings. Now, what do you do when that happens? Ideally, if you're new to this practice, you'll have a journal present, right? You know how much I love journaling and how important I think it's a part of yoga off of the mat. It's a part of the practice in such a big way, in my opinion. So maybe you have a journal or a piece of paper or something you can write with, and when Something comes up, you just jot it down and you recognize that something you thought was a safe word is now a triggering word and you decide if you want to do any work on that at a later date or, or currently and you own it and you make it a practice if you want or you change the word, change the mantra and you stay in your state of meditation. So there are a lot of different ways to think about conscious meditation, but this is one that I think is easy for a beginner to begin considering, especially if you're new to meditation, mindful practices. This is another one that I think is just something that you can lean into without worrying about 
being perfect at it, right? Not that you should worry about that ever, but that's a human thought. That's a human perception. That's a human moment to try to be better at something than your current state of being and realizing that where you're at is perfection enough. So I hope that this invites you to play around with words, think about what they mean to you. As I always talk about, language is so important. I do not think we give it enough respect and honor the idea that you could say something very important to someone in two different ways and cause two different reactions. One can be uplifting and one could be demeaning all because of the misuse of language. As a trauma-informed yoga teacher, I recognize the importance of language, how you position words, how you say them, and of course, nonverbal language is so important, especially when people can see you, obviously, but also they can feel your energy. You know, never underestimate that. And this is just another practice to be able to figure out first how you're showing up in your own life and explore. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. I hope this adds to your lifelong practice of yoga. Go in peace. Namaste. I am so honored that you're listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste. Namaste.